0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of Boutique Digital Marketing, the show that tells you everything you need to know about digital marketing and business development. I'm Rita Saccali, founder of Boutique Digital Marketing, the digital marketing company, and professor of business at various California colleges and universities. This episode, we are going to be talking about eight tips, or eight things that you should be doing to help you manage your small business, we are also going to be talking about how you could design an award-winning service, and we're also going to be interviewing the amazing and wonderful Dr. Mike, go ahead, stay with us. All right, my beautiful people, so... Let's talk about eight ways to better manage a small business. So you own a small business and you are looking to grow it. Isn't that the goal that I think that's everybody's goal? Or it should be. If it's not, then it should be to grow your business. Well, all right. So before we talk about the expansion process, so before the expansion process actually starts, you might want to take a look at eight ways to better manage your small business. Number 1. The first thing that you need to do is have a business plan. You guys, business plans are essential when it comes to managing a small business. And they're not just the, you know, the easiest thing to create. I know that. You know that. But they certainly highlight the key points you would need to manage your business. Think about it as an anchor to your business. When in doubt, you can revisit it and get back on track. So, what is a business plan you might be asking yourself? And I love that you're asking yourself such wonderful questions. Well, it is a document in which you describe your business in detail. It includes everything you can possibly need to establish your business. And these, you know, these are things like business overview, overview, they have the operational plan, marketing analysis, product and services, you've got sales, you've got marketing, you've got competitive analysis, and, you know, management team, and, and you probably have something of a financial plan. So... It really encompasses everything that you need to know about your business or anyone really um, needs to know about your business if you're looking for investors to uh, expand and so forth. So with all this information in the business plan, it becomes a tool that is used to manage your business decisions. Entrepreneurs, you know, I know as entrepreneurs, we really tend to be explorers. And that's really a wonderful trait. But sometimes, you guys, we veer off track. Because you have so many good ideas, so many amazing ideas, you kind of tend to bounce, or I do, from one idea to the next. So having a business plan kind of grounds things. And, you know, it keeps you and it keeps me connected to all of the areas in the business. (coughs) So that was number one. Number two. Number two, we've got adaptability. And I cannot, you guys, I cannot stress the importance of adaptability enough for successful business management, especially for your small business. Here's the thing. According to a Harvard Business Review article, adaptability is a new competitive advantage. It is a key element in making sure that your business thrives. Think about it this way. Take the COVID-19 pandemic. Businesses that did not adapt were forced to shut down or lost a good amount of their clients. Here's the thing about the, endem- the, the pandemic that happened no one expected it. And in business, there are many things that could happen and no one could possibly expect them. So, what do you do in that case? You adapt. I adapt. Everybody needs to adapt. Okay, sorry, that was, uh, that was loud and obnoxious, but you guys get the point. As, you know, as addressed really adaptability in the Harvard Re- Business Review article, it emphasizes that businesses need to have or need to have the ability to read signals from the external environment, process them quickly, and act as quickly as possible to restructure the business model in order to remain successful. There's a wonderful example, actually, that I want to share with you all um, that really stood out to me during the pandemic season, uh, which was that there was an all-you-can-eat sushi restaurant. And during the pandemic, people could not go out, so people could not go get all-you-can-eat sushi. So this restaurant was losing a tremendous amount of business. So... They reinvented their business plan, and I love what they did so instead of having a group of people come in for all you can eat sushi deals, they changed uh, they did their calculations and they changed their um their business idea or business plan in terms of the all you can eat sushi and they realized that it would produce the same revenue for them if they would offer a deal that would give the customer $65 worth of food for only $30, which is typically what the all-you-can-eat customer would have eaten. So it's kind of just like, it's making sense for them, and that's just wonderful, you know? So they read the signs, they changed their business model, they changed the game, and they are only, basically, the only restaurant that I know of in my area that is doing this. And it's, it's not only had their business survive during the pandemic, but it also increased their business, which is crazy, crazy, I tell you. Okay, so now that brings us to number three. Number three is organization in the organization, all right? So organizing basically in the organization. And many small business owners and employees in small businesses wear different hats, And that might be efficient at sometimes, but it is not always the best thing to do without a clear, identify, like clearly identifying what these hats are. So yes, you want to wear these multiple hats, but you also want to know and be aware of what role am I playing at this time. So for example, in a family business, the owners and the kids may share responsibilities. As a result, important managerial elements may really just fall between the cracks or fall through the cracks because there is no clear definition of what each person are doing because things are not as organized as they should be. So one of the most fundamental elements for a successful business is to establish and maintain an organizational system for the organization. And these, you know, you guys, these are some benefits that you'll notice if your company is doing that. So let's, um, let me tell you. All right. First and foremost, organizations that, um, will make your organization, will make your organization more productive because there's a clear understanding of the employee functions. Even if an employee may be wearing a different hat or multiple hats, like we said earlier, they'll be able to clearly identify the role they are playing and the responsibilities attached to it. Second thing we have is systematic organization will reduce time wasted on unnecessary things and really will just increase efficiency because people don't have to go around looking for where this is at or what is this, um, where can I find this, because they know that there's a system of organizing things and they know where to look. So if Department X is in charge of A, B, and C, then the employee will know where to go and how to access that information without really just floating around from one side to another, which wastes time and decreases productivity. And then we have that if you plan to expand your business one day, you guys, this is like another benefit, start by setting an organizational structure. If things are organized, it will become easier to identify, you know, areas that need improvement and resources available to take on new projects. If you're aware of things that are happening, if you are organized, if you are systematic, then it becomes easier for you to find uh, uh, to find new projects or to take on these new projects. All right, now we are at number four, you guys, and um, really, number four is about budgeting. We all hope that we are good with money, but that and that really just it may be the case but but that may not hold true for uh when it comes to business budgeting a business is complicated Um, it's not an easy task and really if you want to better manage your business you should begin by creating a budgeting plan and what is a budgeting plan you might ask again i love your wonderful creative questions a budgeting plan is one that provides a reference for all budgeting decisions, and it should be designed to help you control your cash flow, identify your spending habits, and figure out like what could be altered, for example, reduced or improved, and it would really just help you confidently make budgeting decisions. That brings us to number five. Number five is consulting. Consulting is another great tool to really better your small business. As we said before, small business owners wear many hats, but she who wears these many hats may not be great at every single aspect of running a business. We like to think we are, but let's be honest, we can't do everything. So this is where understanding your strengths and your weaknesses comes into play. When the business owner sees that they lack um, certain things, they can hire a consultant that will help further develop their business so in this case you're just using someone's expertise to say okay what advice would you give me because i'm not knowledgeable enough in this subject which is a great idea because it gives you the ammunition for them to use them into your business and to implement them into your business And, uh, you know, these could be things like marketing consulting services, like the ones we offer at Boutique Digital Marketing, where people come to us and they say, okay, what can we do with our business in terms of digital uh, marketing? And we say, okay, well, you can go through one, two, three, or this will help your business in this way if you implement it and so forth. And then the business goes out and they, um, they implement these things. These could be services like legal services or IT services or anything that would require an expert um, opinion. All right. So that brings us to number six. And number six, we are talking about outsourcing. Outsourcing has it in it to be a very, very smart business move. But typically when business owners think about sourcing, it's usually accompanied by unnecessary costs like um do I really need to outsource this? I can do everything on my own. However, not everything needs to be done in-house. There are jobs that require specialists. For example, it may be higher it may be better for you to hire a digital marketing um, uh, expert or a digital marketing company to to cover your digital marketing needs rather than hiring in house or doing it yourself. Why do I say that? I really say that because I see a lot of people or a lot of business owners, small business owners especially, struggle with uh, trying to keep up their social media and. Honestly, digital marketing, as you guys, if you're listening to my podcast, you guys know that digital marketing is way more than just uh, social media. But for the sake of the argument, we're going to say a lot of these business owners tend to struggle in keeping up with uh, their social media or with their content creation or uh, figuring out how to target someone simply because they don't have enough time to manage their business and do a job that is meant for someone else's business. So in cases like these, where things require time and dedication, it may be better to hire someone outside. That way you don't have to worry about learning the uh, um, the material. You just have to s- figure out that this gets done. Or, for example, in tax or in IT problems, um, sure, we all love to be like computer wizards and figure out everything in a computer and program, um, you know, all kinds of applications and so forth. But that may not be the thing for you, and that may be something that you would have to outsource, which is a really good thing as well. All right, so that brings us to number seven. Now, at number seven, we have hiring accurately. You want to manage a better. You want to better manage your small business. You hire accurately because there's a cost uh, associating with hiring. There's a cost associated with turnover rates and. You want to keep good people in your company. You want to do your best to keep good people in your company. So once you have a business up and running and you want to hire these people, you want to hire people that align with your mission and your vision statement for your company. Otherwise, you run into additional avoidable expenses, both in terms of time and in terms of money. A really ge- a good way of attracting good and worthwhile employees would be to be a little creative, dare to be a little creative in the way you operate your business and create attractive packages that will allow them to choose your business over a large um a large company, right? Because we're always competing with these large companies and everyone's kind of complaining about them. But really, what would make someone work for you versus your you know, massive sized competitors. So to answer that question, you might want to consider them as if we've talked about before your targeted audience. And we talked about in other episodes uh, about figuring out your targeted audience and uh, creating customer personas and so forth. And the key here is to figure out their desires and their needs and cater to these needs. For example, some employees with children need to pick up their kids at 3 and they have to end their job at 2.30. Well, if possible, you may allow them to pick up their, their kids and go home and take care of them and finish the last two hours some other time during the day. Maybe if there are meetings that they have to attend, they'll attend those meetings during their actual shift. And then anything else that could be done by themselves, just make sure that they are, this is done by this day as they do it at home. So that may be something to consider. And lastly, our last thing we wanna talk about in this segment is um, company culture. Company culture can help you maintain your people. So you've hired good employees, they're helping you manage your small business, now it's time to make sure your company culture is comforting and welcoming to these employees and, and to your clients. So a company culture sets the tone of everything that happens in your company and affects efficiency rates. The culture is set up through benefits and rules that have been set in place, right? So you have rules and regulations, and I think every business does, but that doesn't determine the culture. Implementing these rules and regulations, that's what uh, affects the culture. You know, if you're saying, oh, well, uh, there is no um, we appreciate honesty and someone comes forward and they say well you did to the boss and you say that you did something wrong and I noticed that you did this and they're honest and they're genuine and they get uh, reprimanded for it or ignored or scolded or whatever well that creates a negative company culture if you say you're welcoming then be welcoming if you say whatever the rules are that you have implement those rules and regulations so like I said these were the eight ways to better manage your business and if you enjoyed listening to this again you guys don't forget to share it with your friends and don't forget to follow us on social media uh, on facebook.com boutique digital marketing and on instagram at boutique digital marketing I'm gonna be with you with another segment right now and we are going to be talking about how you could design an award-winning service. You guys, we're continuing on with boutique digital marketing. This is again uh, Rita Sekali, and we are talking about how to design a market, a design and market award-winning services. So, you want to design an award-winning service? Of course, you do. But how? this segment is going to talk about three things we're going to talk about the major differences between products and services we're going to talk about anticipated hurdles and we're going to talk about award-winning design product versus services let's begin before you can find or design an award-winning service it's important to understand the difference between product and services yes in both cases you are selling something to someone however they are not presented in the same way so products and services differ in four major things and these are tangible versus intangible delivery time quality control and quality assessment and not to state the obvious but a product is concrete and tangible and a service is not Services are intangible, which means that you are selling a service, then you are selling an experience rather than a physical object. When marketing a product, it's easy to highlight all the important attributes. In other words, it's easy to present it in a way that appeals to the desired uh, customer because it is more tangible they'll see it feel it compare it to other products however that is not the case for services they can't do that they can't touch it they can't feel it so you can highlight the traits of your amazing services but it cannot be done in the same way that could be done for a product because it does not appear to appeal to the senses and really a service is more theoretical until it is experienced So, let's put this, uh, let's put it in a context of therapist, for example. Therapists sell a a service that cannot be physically assessed before the purchase. So, it is an experience. In this case, it is difficult to show the patient how good the service will be. All they can do is make a promise that this therapy session will be beneficial. The patient will then have to, to venture out and believe that they will deliver on that promise. So that's kind of one of the difference. Next thing we have is time delivery. And this is one of the second major differences um, is that in services, they are delivered to the customer in present. Right When the customer is present, that's the delivery of the service. Whereas products are usually ready before the customer arrives. Products are usually pre-manufactured, which means that business owners can later or can cater to multiple customers at the same time. And a person doing, for example, a haircut has to be, or getting a haircut has to be present at the service to receive it. The hairstylist has to be available to provide the customer with that experience. With products, on the other hand, customers can go into the store or online and, and purchase their product anytime the store is open because the product is readily available. Whereas delivery is thats not the case. Then we have quality control. So third major difference is quality of the product doesn't change based on people using it. But the quality of a service does. Because services rely on experiences, and these experiences are usually given by people, the quality of the service can affect the mood, it can be affected by the mood of the person offering the service and the mood of the person receiving it. For example, if a private tutor is having a bad day, the way the lesson is taught could be affected. At that time, or at the, the same time, if the student doesn't feel like they're, they want to study uh, on that day, they may find that the service is boring and become unengaged. And maybe they report back to their parents that they didn't learn anything. Does that mean that the tutor doesn't know what they're doing? Maybe not. But it means that because the student was disengaged and didn't want to be a part of the conversation, they felt like they did All right, and lastly, we have quality assessment. And while the quality of a product is easy to measure, that's not the case for services. With product, it's easy to assess if if the business is selling the product met the standards they claimed they were selling. For example, people purchase things online and then they say, well, they were not the same as advertised. They look different online than they do in the picture. And that's something that people worry about when buying products online. They are able to say that because their expectations were based on something tangible. They ordered a pink shirt but received a white one. The standards are based on a physical trait. That's that. So quality assessment uh, is not the same for services. All service has is a promise to deliver a great service. So it becomes a lot harder to access. In order to deliver the promise accurately, they will need to understand the expectations of the potential client. It's essentially closing the gap between expectation of the client and the reality of the service you will deliver. For example, if a man is paying $70 for a haircut, it better be 10 times better than the $7 haircut they could be uh, receiving down the street. Expectation, right? Understanding the differences between the products and services you guys will help you structure your, uh, and present your service in a way that is appealing to your desired customer. And that's what we want. We want to make sure that our customers are, um, are engaged with our product or our service. Sorry. Now we have anticipated hurdles. So what are things to look for? When designing your award winning service, there are certain hurdles that need to be anticipated. Here's an example. Closing a gap between what the customer is expecting and what you are actually delivering, that's a hurdle. The hurdle here here is truly understanding your target customer and knowing their expectation. A great way you guys to overcome this, uh, this barrier is by creating customer personas and understanding who your customer really is. And these, you guys, are both stuff that we talked about in other podcasts. And if you go on bootingdigitalmarketing.com, you will find, um, these articles or several articles on creating customer personas and on, um, understanding them as well. So another hurdle is highlighting the benefit of the service. Some things to keep in mind is that customers aren't buying features when they're purchasing a service, they are buying benefits. So show them the benefits. The hurdle here is to create a value proposition that is centered around the value that the service will provide. Lastly, we come to our point of this entire thing, which is designing an award-winning service. The primary agent of a successful service is the people involved. So the first and foremost important aspect of designing a great service is to recruit the right people to enhance the entire experience from the greeting at the door to the actual service. Everyone involved needs to be well chosen for their position. After choosing the best people to work in the field, it's important that these people feel like their work is being valued. You wanna value the people and uh, that are working with you and you want them to feel motivated to bring their A-game all the time. A really good way to create a good work culture where the employees like feel satisfied with their job and enjoying their work environment. That's something that you want to strive for. You wanna show them appreciation and if possible, offer them incentives. Work with them. If there's a need that they have, work with their needs. Happy and satisfied employees are more likely to lead to happy and satisfied customers. And plus, you want to work with people you love so, or people you vibe with. So that's, that's the thing. Award-winning services provide a good amount of honest, authentic, and transparent testimonials. You want people to say their mind and say the truth. They also create case studies to showcase their clients have, like what are the benefits that the clients have um, gained from using their services. And consistent branding also you guys show stability and it creates credible, consistent reputation for that business. So what you want to do is, not only do you want to say, is say, okay, these are the people that I've worked with. This is how they've benefited from me or from working or buying my service. And uh, you also want to create a brand that shows stability and create a brand that shows credibility and consistency. So make sure that the reputation of the business shows up. With consistency in branding comes consistency in delivery. To achieve that, the business really needs to know and have a certain process and standards that are implemented every time that the service is being offered. So you have to work with your employees to offer them trainings and to implement a a certain uh, way or a set of processes so that the client knows what to expect every single time. The session may be a little bit different, for example, in the case of uh, therapy, but the consistency in the feeling of the entire um, uh, therapist office or clinic is consistent every time they walk in. So that's something to keep in mind. Another good way of designing a great service is really to engage and to educate the client. By engaging and educating the client, the client feels like they are a part of the process. So for example, Online booking calendars for services of service businesses allow the client to have an overview of the calendar and choose what is the best uh, suited time for their schedule and allow them to feel more in control. Like they are part of this decision uh, process and not just say, okay, like when do you have available? I just have available on, on Monday or that's the first thing they do. Like, for example, when you call a doctor's office and they ask you when you'd like to come in. And you ask when it's available. Well, you can't see an overview, but if you have a digital format of it and say, "Oh, well, I like this spot," then that might be easier. Uh for another example, is business websites may have blogs that help create um, uh, create education or create content that distributes education and builds credibility with the clients. If the client is purchasing your service, they want to know that you are. Uh, knowledgeable that you are aware of what you're doing. And so uh, blogs is a really good way for them to feel like they are being educated and your credibility is being enhanced. So these were important elements to highlight when creating award-winning services. Uh, if you have any questions, you guys can always uh, contact me at info at beauty digital marketing or you can give us a call at 909-333-5116. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at uh, Boutique Digital Marketing on Facebook at boutique Digital Marketing.com slash I'm sorry, Facebook.com slash Boutique Digital Marketing, or you could visit our website at boutiquedigitalmarketing.com Digital Marketing.com. Next um Uh, next segment you guys we have an amazing interview with Dr. Um, Mike Dahid who's going to tell us all about his pharmacy business and his amazing accomplishment and what he is doing in the field stay tuned Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Boutique Digital Marketing, the show that tells you everything you need to know about business development and marketing. I'm Rita Sikholy, and today I have a very wonderful guest with me, who is Dr. Michelle Dahir. Uh, Michael or Michelle, which is very Lebanese, and it's very Michael, by the way. It's the same. Uh, so, Dr. Michael or Dr. Michel, how are you doing tonight?
1: You forgot the Albert part. Remember, we were supposed oh, to make yeah, it sound. Super, yes. we were yes. supposed to, you were supposed to make it sound very, very, <laughs> very authentic Lebanese. Remember? Anyway, we, I, we did.
0: We did. Hi. This this was off off the air. You guys were talking about how Lebanese his name sounds, which is like Michel Albert Tahir, and uh, how Lebanese mine sounds when I say it in Arabic, which is Zita ali. So, hi. How you done?
1: You know, again, loaded question for twenty twenty, but I I am doing okay. All things considered. We are halfway through the week, almost to the weekend, and there is a song called Everybody's Working for the Weekend. So we're almost there and doing okay. How about yourself? How are you doing today?
0: I'm great. I'm actually having a really good, uh, you know, fun evening, so that's a good thing. Uh, Yeah. It is. You know what? 2020 is a bit of a maze and it's a bit confusing, but we carry on because there's lots of lessons to learn and lots of really exciting things to experience. Life goes on and we got to live it.
1: That's. we. It. I mean, we, you have a choice too, but yes, absolutely. It's better to, it's better to live. It is. It's better to live. I would agree with that statement. What, what,
0: what choice? Should we put a hotline at the bottom of this? Is it, did you include a hotline number?
1: Yes. The, the, Choose, right.
0: life, choose, right life.
1: choose life. Choose life. Choose life. Choose
0: life. life. life is always yeah. worth living, and it's uh, even if in its saddest moments, life is uh, definitely worth
2: living.
1: Well, I there is a there is a quote that I that I want to share. Uh, my our next door neighbor. We live on a hill, and she's the only neighbor that we've had for all thirty one years that I've been alive. And although I have my own apartment in Pasadena, I still come to to Glendale to visit my family. So her name is Joan, and she's in the SEMA. S-E-M-A, Hall of Fame. So she used to own Wyand Manifold, Wyand Automotives. They made manifolds for car park, drag racing type stuff. She was inducted in the Hall of Fame in the 80s because she was the first woman essentially to, to pioneer in the in an all-meal industry after her her husband tragically passed away. And in her in her speech, she actually made a quote where she said, I've been in a lot of situations where I can either sink or swim. And let me tell you, I don't think. And for some reason, again, I mean I was a child when she said this, but I, I remember coming across her internet page on the SEMA website, and I just thought Wow, holy crap, that is a very motivating uh that is a very motivating sentence. And uh I still have it saved, I have it as one of the backgrounds on my phone. So for anybody listening, if you're ever in a situation where all you can do is sink or
2: Swim next swim. That's
0: honestly that's amazing. It is. And like I said, just life is worth living. You can either choose to be sad and if the day's gonna pass. You can either use to utilize it or you can use it to waste it and be depressed. And so get
2: going. Get moving. Alright, so tell me a little bit about yourself, Michael.
1: So I am a young 31-year-old. I was born and raised in Glendale, California. I went to Carnation Parish in Glendale. My family were parishioners there for a very long time. I went to St. Francis High School, which is an all-boy high school in La Canada. After I graduated, I knew that I would live in California for some of my life. So I figured it might be fun to stretch my wings, go see something a little different and i ended up in corvallis oregon at oregon state university which is night and day different from los angeles california a little cow town of 40,000 people about 18 if you take out the college kids and i went to oregon state i did my pharmacy degree at oregon state oregon health and sciences university i stuck around for another year and did a one year residency in ambulatory care which is a relatively new field in pharmacy i came home and Cal- i came home to california in 2015 i opened Pax Pharmacy in Duarte, California, at the sanitary which what was formerly the sanitary Sita Hospital, that is now sanitary Sita Medical Center. And fast forward, God knows how many years—twenty, almost twenty, twenty-one. Six years later, here we are. We're still standing. We have two pharmacies. We have a staff of about fifteen people. And uh, like you said, live, choose life. So we're we're living. And uh, big sports guy. So I love the Dodgers. I love the uh, the LA Dodgers, the Lakers. I love watching football, college football. I like going to the beach. I like trying new restaurants. Try, I know it's weird, right? Like, what's a restaurant anymore? But I like restaurants. You know, I like trying new cocktail bars. I like going to the rooftops and seeing all that stuff. And, um, and yeah, I, love, I don't know.
0: All, all, all very, very exciting. So you're with us today. You're my guest today because I really want to talk about your pharmacies and. Uh, we were talking a little bit earlier that you know the the world of pharmacy today is in a hole. Is it is in a hole basically? Uh, what keeps you? Going? It's a mess. What keeps it's your business mess. going? Why did you decide to so, do this business, knowing this, and what keeps you going?
1: So that's uh, a brief story on how I became a pharmacist. My dad is a pharmacist. I was in the car. We were going on the two freeway up to La Cunada, and my dad, my dad had just kind of asked me a loaded question, which was, "Son, what do you want to do with your life?" As you know, this is kind of an Arab thing, right? Like they they really want you to know what you're going to do, and if you're not an engineer or a doctor or something like that, you're almost maybe a failure. So my dad, uh, my dad asked I'm a "Bachelor's me, what you... in theater." Well, <laughs> I didn't say anything about failures. Nothing. I'm it's just, saying, just a, you know, it's, it's just no. I just-
0: in an Arab world, I have a bachelor's in theater, so. Carry on. Yeah, we'll let we'll let the audience decide on that one. Carry on.
1: Well, again, this is this is a common thing. So I think if you pull, you know, nine out of ten Arabs, they'll tell you if you're not an engineer or a it, it is, it yeah, is. It's uh definitely it's a, heard know, a
2: these bend. things
1: before. So we were driving. We were driving and he asked me what do you want to be? And as a kid I wanted to be a pilot, and in particular I wanted to fly the Pope around. As that was my <laughs> dream. My dream was to be the pilot for the Pope. Like you know how there's an Air Force One pilot I love it. for the president? I wanted to be Mm -hmm. the Pope's pilot. That was my thing. Is
2: that a thing? And I told him, I said, Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing.
1: Alitalia, they, the Pope has pilots. He has like the best pilot. They fly. So, uh, I, he pulled me, you know, so he said, what do you want to be? I said, maybe a firefighter, maybe a pilot. I don't know. He pulled the car over on the freeway and said, (laughs) son, we should talk about this. Uh, you know, why would you want to be a firefighter? It's dangerous. Risk your life. You know, you don't need to do that. Pilot, uh, it's not a good thing. Flying airplanes, you can die. We should think something different. And I said, okay, dad, I know what you want me to tell you I'm going to be a pharmacist. And he said, that's what I wanted to hear. And truly from that night, I just kind of thought, okay, well, I guess I have to be a pharmacist now. Like I can't lie to my dad. So and how old were you? That's how it started. And I had, I wasn't driving yet. I had to have been 14 and a half or 15 years old. Okay. Yeah. So I was, yeah, midway through my life where I am now. And I, I mean, I, I grew up in pharmacies. I mean, I, I grew up going to visit my dad at work. We have photos of me as a three, four or five year old. You know, he's holding me in one arm. He's on the phone taking a prescription. And I'm, I'm in his other arm crying in his other ear. I have no idea how he didn't Aww. hurt anybody, but you know, I don't, I don't, we, I mean, my whole life was spent going to the pharmacies, visiting dad at work, getting supplies, getting school stuff. Um, going to visit him and, after work. There was,
0: and you were telling me that your sister is also, you know, getting into so that I, I am, as well.
1: I am the eldest of four, so I ha- it goes me, then it goes my brother Gabriel, Albert, Albert, of course. <laughs> and then there is Isabella Marie and Sophia Roses. So I'm thirty one, Gabe is gonna be is twenty nine, is twenty four, Sophia is twenty. So Gabe and Sophia are Gabe is a nursing home administrator. He know he said when we told him pharmacy he said nope. So he didn't do it. Sophia wants to be a physician assistant, same thing. So still in the same pharmacy. field. She said. That, non yeah uh, it's medicine right yeah it's, it's all in the same I mean, no no ship. we couldn't do pharmacy that's crazy but Isabella yes we were able to course we were able to course Isabella to be a pharmacist
0: and and maintain it uh within the family so talk to me a little bit more on the business side of owning a pharmacy how is that like
1: there's just a lot of there's just a lot of steps involved in in ownership I mean and and there's Again, you can be a pharmacist in charge of the pharmacy, and you have your own levels and responsibilities that you have to deal with. But then when you're owning pharmacies, it's just there's a whole different perspective of things that you have to worry about. So you worry about your staff. You worry about payroll. You worry about making checks, making the deposits. You worry about being in compliance with the insurance companies. You have to worry about the audits. I mean, they audit because they want to take money back. So you have to make sure these things are spotless. So Mm. I don't, I don't mean to say it as discouraging, because regardless of what you do in your life, you're going to have a job that comes with responsibility. It's just Mm. the ownership. The ownership side comes with a lot more bureaucracy and paperwork than probably anybody would like to have. It's truly what it is. It,
0: yes. So it's kind of true for any, any ownership of business. But uh, do you feel like it's worth it? I mean, obviously, you now have two of them. Yeah. So there must have been at one point you're like, okay, well, this is working for me. So I'm going to I'm gonna open another one versus no, you going to work at
2: CBS.
1: No, 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 no. Absolutely. I, uh, the, the, the one advice my dad always taught me as a kid was there's nothing like being your own boss. There's nothing like being your own boss. You can take vacation when you want to take vacation. You can do things how you want to do them. You don't have to answer it to anybody else, you do things your way. Like the Johnny Cash song. You do it. Literally do it.
0: every Lebanese parent
2: has said that.
1: Yes. Like, so I said Johnny Cash. It wasn't Johnny Cash who said that. It was uh, was it Dean Martin who sang it? I did it my way.
2: I don't know. I
1: I'll know get, the song, I don't
0: know who sang it. Yeah, I'll get back to you on that. So why is it more rewarding for you or why do you feel it's more rewarding for you to work in your own company versus uh um, work at CBS, let's say?
1: Oh, that's that. So that's yeah, that's easy. Uh, So when you're when you're stuck in corporate, when you're stuck in corporations, you have to play by corporate rules. So Mm. let's say you have a patient, let's say you have a patient who doesn't have the money to pay for a soda, or you don't you have a patient who doesn't have the money to pay for a copay that day. Um, There, there's just my So I mentioned to you earlier that we deal with the City of Hope Cancer Hospital, for instance, right? Mm. So as you would imagine, there are high co payments and high deductibles that come with these oncology meds.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I mean, if you work at CVS or whatever else, you you, you ha- whenever you bill an insurance company, you have to give them and you have to pay, you have to make them pay the price the insurance gives you. But if it's something where I can do leeway, where if it's cheaper to not do the insurance, or I can do something as a cash price, I can do something where it's like $5 or just at my cost to the patients, which end up being cheaper than going through insurance. And so, I mean, I just think that when you're in charge especially if your goal is like hours Pax pharmacy where you just want to do what's best for the patient because again, I mean the other thing is a lot of the corporate pharmacists and in the corporate world you have to push numbers you have to meet goals you have to meet agenda items. you have to give X amount of flu shots a year. you have to dispense X amount of prescriptions a day. it's it's corporate you have these goals that you have to meet an independent ownership that's not there you don't have to worry about it you, all you have to worry about is your patients and their health and that's all it boils down to I
2: love which it, is a lot
1: easier. Which is a lot easier for me. I would rather worry about patients than having to meet metrics. Metrics was the word I was looking for.
0: Do you feel like, um, in terms of income, there's a significant difference from owning your own business versus working at a corporate?
1: So it depends on what phase of ownership you're in. (laughs) Because if you're just starting, it all, your, your income is truly based on how many prescriptions and how, I mean, in California, Mm -hmm. it's hard. I mean, you, in California, there's a, there's a pharmacy on every block. It's just like, right? Mm -hmm. So you you have to figure out, uh, you have to have your own ethos, you have to have your own niche, you have to do something that makes you stand out and something unique to get patients to come with you. Or you can graduate, not struggle, and you can sign a contract for 120 or 130,000 a year. And you work for you can work for a a chain company. And that's it, you work your nine to five X amount of days a week. But kind of like you and I were talking about and how things are evolving in texas and in washington for instance they have we have such a surplus of pharmacists now and we have such well they thought that the the baby boomers they thought that retirement would hit there would be all these jobs opening but of course living in the united states i guess we never saw that baby boom hit occur with like we thought we would mm-hmm. so we have the surplus of pharmacists and in washington and texas right off the bat they fired all first years. Anybody that was full-time prior was only allowed to make 30 hours a week and they're reducing pay to about $45 an hour when a normal salary is about 60 to 65. So that's in Texas and that's in Texas and Washington. And I mean, here in California, the issue is that we have about, when I graduated, we had, we had about 11 schools and in the years that I've been in practice, we've upped it now to like 20 or 22 schools. So we are just churning out pharmacists right and left. So jobs are even becoming harder, are becoming harder and harder to come by.
0: And is that a good thing for like, what was the reason behind getting that many pharmacists out or getting that many pharmacy schools?
1: Well, unfortunately, I think it was a financial decision because getting pharmacy schools are lucrative to the school. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can charge if you can charge a student forty five to fifty or sixty thousand dollars a year, and you can get a few hundred of those students, it becomes a financial thing. Well, but the pretty, issue yeah. the issue with that, obviously is you can't guarantee them a job. The
0: return the return do. on investment is very low for exactly. for so the you're, students.' you are
1: you're taking and the the scary thing truly is before the good or I should say the worthy students would get accepted. But now because we have so many schools, you're taking maybe a chance on some of these flyers that may or may not graduate. So I can tell you, for instance, at the Greek, at the university that I'm at, we've had a few kids that maybe we shouldn't have accepted. And, you know, whether for better or worse, they didn't make it through. But then you kind of have to ask, did we set these kids up to fail by not giving them the full chance to, to make it through or giving them a chance in the first place?
0: Interesting. So, going back to your business, um, what's what's your business model? Or rather, you mentioned that there's um, there's a differentiating factor when you first start out.
1: Yes.
2: What was yours?
1: Well, I mean, when I when I started. Sorry, are you there? There you are. Yeah. So when I when I first started the. Uh, I was able to get a nursing home to come with me and it was just me, my dad and I was able to, and we were able to manufacture things, just him and I. And Mm -hmm. then I had staff come in and help me with these nursing homes on the weekend. So I started off at a bit of of an advantage. I wasn't building something up from absolute scratch, Okay. but although, although we were in a medical building, I had to buy, I had to have buy-in from the doctors to want to send their patients to us because the hardest thing in the world is when somebody has, when somebody somebody has a established pharmacy it's a trust thing pharmacists are mm-hmm. usually either ahead of or just behind nurses as the most trusted profession so trying to get okay. somebody to switch trying to get somebody to switch pharmacies is like pulling teeth
2: okay.
1: you know they they don't want to do it if they trust somebody they mm-hmm. trust them so there was that initial, there was that buy-in feature from the doctors to get their trust to say, give these guys a try and, and everything. And The other thing is there are a lot of- Do you think
0: having your dad there, you know, contributed to those connections? Like did your dad have connections with these doctors before? No,
1: no, How did you connect all, with them then? Uh, it's kind of funny. I don't know. I really don't know. We just, we, you know, we knocked on doors. We went in, we talked with them we're in this medical building. We were the only independent pharmacy in the city of Duarte at the time. We have the chains. The other, the other distinguishing factor, and that was kind of our biggest advantage in that we were the only independent pharmacy in Duarte and in Monrovia, our surrounding cities. Mm -hmm. Like for instance, if you come to Glendale or you come to Burbank and you literally just drive the same street, you'll see two to three pharmacies across from each other at all, at all points. So the fact that we were the only independent in a city that has a lot of seniors in a lot of nursing homes that was a huge advantage for us that was a i mean it, we just kind of fell into it it's not like we did market research and found that out we just happened to fall into this gold mine of we're the only independent pharmacy and people would rather have the personal touch of a pharmacist as compared to maybe the corporate world and we do the delivery thing and we do we do some other things that are helpful for them as well so that's uh, what kind of made us. that's what distinguished us a little bit from do you do area.
0: any digital marketing
1: i do i do so we do Tell us a little uh, bit more about that uh, so you know, I mean, we have the basic stuff. We have a website, paxrx.com, p-a-x-r-x.com. We have an Instagram. We have the uh, we have Facebook. We we partner with a lot of local businesses and do local giveaways, which was also kind of interesting. So you know, we have coffee shops in the area. We have restaurants in the area. Lebanese, of course. And you know, so we we get their followers. They get our followers. And I, it's funny. I did market research. I did market research on how doing Google ads or doing other ads could be beneficial, but it, it just seemed like the population was either young, young people or seasoned people mm-hmm. that maybe it wouldn't apply. It wouldn't apply to them. Yeah. So we didn't do any, we didn't do any of the ads on, on Google or, or anything like that. But of course, uh, disgruntled, somebody disgruntled made a, a, uh, Yelp page for us.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, we've, we've done pretty well on that. Same thing with Google. So I think we have a, I think we have a footprint, we have a footprint all over the, the internet, I'd say.
0: That's awesome. So uh, just, just so like when we're talking to people who are listening, digital marketing is not just about the ads. I'm glad you kind of mentioned that and that you didn't find that, that it worked for you because it really, I I think in a lot of cases, it doesn't work for every business. Like it just, you know, there's ways around it. You can
1: actually, and you can. And you can actually do the marketing. Like the uh, Google does have the capability where you can run figures and you can see what the demographics analytics. are in your area. You can do the analytics and you can see what the demographics are. And again, it just didn't make sense for me because we have a lot of people with young kids, which pediatrics mm-hmm. are not usually on maintenance medications or mm-hmm. everyday meds. They're yes. usually on, you know, allergies, inhalers, things like that. Or you have a popular, or you have a, a population that just doesn't use the internet and that'll, that'll change in 30 to 40 years. I mean, mm-hmm. we'll probably still have our phones, I bet, but you know,
0: Maybe right they'll the look like, you know, differently than they do today.
1: Well, the other, the other fascinating thing that I, I think Amazon, right? Amazon came out with their own pharmacy. They bought Pillpack. And so I think Amazon was hoping, Amazon thought, well, we have all these people that love Amazon Prime, right? So they love having things now.
2: Yeah. So rather
1: than calling the pharmacy and refills and waiting, they're their own, they can be their own pharmacy. And they figure in the next 20, 30 years, we'll have, we'll corner the market on this. So that was, I mean, that's kind of scary to us. But I also think, again, I mean, I, it all comes down to personal touch, so we'll see what happens. And, the,
0: and also, you. your digital marketing strategy—what you do now affects what you're going to do in the future as well. And how you uh, follow technology for anyone who's listening. Try, you know, uh, look at different options. I'm glad you said you did your market research because it's very—it's um, very effective to do cool. that.
1: Just a common advice is just before you put money into something, like for instance, we did we did the ads in the church bulletins, right? And We had a church right across the street from us, mm-hmm. so we put in the church bulletins, and I think for doing it for a year and giving them, I think it was like five hundred dollars for the year, if I'm not mistaken. I had one person walk in, one. Oh. So, you know, and again, I mean, there was the benefit. And that, of that was the, the ch- church,
0: church that it was really no one fits the ad in the, the, web, the
2: yeah, church bulletins.
1: And we're talking digital that's not digital that's paperback, yeah. right but just my point is before you invest your money into something from a marketing standpoint do your homework mm-hmm. and see what the actual benefit to that will be because and what the
0: actual marketing is like what is your the digital marketing company offering you are they offering you ads or are they offering you content that builds and honestly like this is my perspective on things if you actually want to do digital marketing just set some money aside that you want to do consistently create content like it's not going to happen tomorrow you're not going to get people tomorrow but if you consistently do uh marketing you'll actually end up with or if you consistently do content creation you'll end up with really good uh, really
2: good the other, investment
1: the other thing i'll tell you is we have we've made sweatshirts we've made t-shirts we've made koozies We've made grocery bags, which all Love of our it. patients, the patients loved the grocery bags. They held two bags at a time. And, uh, you Love know, it's it. funny how the simple market, just the simple marketing things exactly. like that. Exactly. No, no,
0: it makes, it's called branding. That's for people who are listening. It's all about branding. It's all about brand recognition and who recognizes you. Like, you know, what difference does a brand name purse make versus a normal purse? I'm still putting my, or non brand purse.
1: And I'm still again, putting my stuff in it when you say the i mean i think it's so simple when it rolls off your tongue you say pax pharmacy right pp pax pharmacy boom so it just rolls right off the tongue people have called why me that name pax? so from for those of your listeners that are religious we uh you're familiar with i'm sure saint francis is saying which was pax et bonum so peace and all happiness peace and good things peace and whatever my mom was actually sitting in church one day and she looked up at a stained glass window and it was saint francis and she just like whispered to me in church she goes Pax would be nice. And I, I think I mentioned to you that we're in a medical building with the the Santa Terracita Medical Center with the Carmelite Sisters of Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, it's funny, Pax just, my mom literally looked up at a stained glass window at Our Lady of Mount Carmel Church, and she just whispered to me, Pax. Then I said, okay, sounds good. And, I love it. I
0: love it. And it with just, it, a just,
1: purpose. It rolls right off the tongue. It has, I mean, Pax is Latin. A lot of the medical terms are Latin. And It's funny, people think that's my name, so they call me Mr. Pax.
2: It works. It
1: works. Yeah, Mr. Pax.
0: I love it. All right, so tell me a little bit more about um, your pharmacies. Why do you have two of them? Why are they so close to each other? We kind of mentioned that off air, but you said they're in the same building. So why is that?
1: So that comes from my dad's experience, he had four or five pharmacies at one point when I was younger, and he had them all over. I mean, they were Mm -hmm. within a radius of like 50 miles of each other. And, you know, going to one, you think things look good there, you go to the other one. But when you're at the other one, the previous one, they made a mistake, and they ordered the wrong med, or they ordered the more expensive one, or, you know, it's just not as, it's not as, uh, it's just, it's hard to manage things when you're not there, was the general Mm -hmm. consensus I got from him. So, when we looked at the first one, we had the nursing homes in one and we had the walk-in side on one, but our pharmacy is only about a thousand square feet. So trying to cram all these people into this place was kind of difficult. Mm-hmm. We had a space open up down the hallway, which was more, which was bigger. So it had allowed me the opportunity for an office finally. And it gave us room for the nursing home side, uh, the, the nursing home operation, which we bubble pack. So if nobody's seen a bubble pack, it's where it's a card that has one through 31. And every, every dose of every day you pop it out. So it's easy for the nursing homes and all. And there's other paperwork we have to give them. But there's also, it's also more lucrative to have a closed door pharmacy and build nursing home patients than it is to have an open door and build nursing home patients. The contracts are different. Why? I wish I could tell you. I have no idea who made the rules. So we had one. We decided to split the business in half and move half of it to the other side. And of course, the obvious reason is. They're in the same building, so I can keep my eyes on both of them at the same time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm never too far, and I can always handle troubleshooting, handle problems as for that.
0: And you wouldn't consider maybe opening up pharmacies that are not in the same building, or maybe franchising. You know, like let's oh, if say there is
1: there. It's always on the table, but I, I, right now the world of pharmacy is like we had alluded to previously. It, it's a it's a tough market right now. Um, mm-hmm. Reimbursements reimbursements are poor. Uh, literally like a lot of times the hard part is when you, the hard part with the healthcare system in America is this doctors and all these other people. So all of our healthcare system is dependent on subjective or objective costs. Somebody goes to medical school for 12 years and they specialize. We can always argue what is their time worth, right? That's a subjective thing. Mm -hmm. We can talk about what's their specialty. What are they doing? How much can they bill? That's negotiable. That's debatable. But in pharmacy, our world is objective. We have costs. We have drugs that cost X amount, and the insurance companies have an idea of how much they cost. But yet, somehow, some way, they're still able to give us less. So, if a drug costs a hundred bucks, they they might give us ninety-five or ninety or eighty. Then you have to ask the question. Then you have to ask the question: Is it worth it for me to fill that drug? So, down the line, you know, if assuming things improve, assuming assuming things change, I would love to open other ones. We, I just think the name, I just think Pax Pharmacy should overtake CVS. I mean, Pax is so. Great. Oh, farms. Obviously,
2: obviously. Yeah, we
1: should, we should have we should have a hundred of those. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, but I all think over yeah, the country.
1: Yeah. One thing at a time. One yeah. thing <laughs> at a time. We'll be crazy and expand. But I mean expansion is always on the on the expansion is always on the mind. I think you would do yourself a disservice if you don't think about growing your business and, and what it takes. Mm-hmm. But for the time being right now, if you can consolidate it and keep it all under one roof, then it works. Mm-hmm. Hey, why not? Why not go that route That's so it. you can keep your eyes on less headache?
0: Absolutely. Uh so what advice would you give you know, young entrepreneurs that maybe are not necessarily in pharmacy, but you are an entrepreneur, the fact that you went out and you started a business and you took on this thing. So what advice would you give them?
1: Well, the first one is diversify. right? So not, not only, and, and I will get more broad on this, but not only am I a, an independent pharmacy owner and a pharmacist, I also teach. Right, So I'm also in an academia and I teach pharmacy students in class. I teach pharmacy mm-hmm. practice at Marshall B. Ketchum University. And then I'm also an advanced practice pharmacist. So I have the mm-hmm. capability to see my own panel of patients and prescribe for them as a pharmacist, which is unique. So don't ever, corn, like don't ever, don't corner yourself into one thing. Diversify mm-hmm. as much as you can. And the other advice, my, I believe it was my grandfather who told my dad, is competition is always good. So don't ever think something is saturated. If you put your whole heart and your soul into something mm-hmm. and you you will never be denied and you just work hard for it, whatever it is that you want to accomplish, you will accomplish. So don't don't ever be scared of competition. It should bring the best out of you.
0: But don't do it strategically. Sc- do it strategically.
1: Do not be reckless. Like right? yeah. we talked about we talked about do your research, we talked about look at what you spend and look at what you're going to do before you spend it, of course. Mm-hmm. But if there's something that you have your heart set on, as long as, and I mean, this is a reason I was scared. I mean, I remember I was a resident in Portland and my dad called me and said, hey, there's there's this beautiful space in this medical building that I think could be very beneficial. Is this, you know, do you want to go for it? I mean, I was scared. I was petrified. I, I What if I yeah. failed? That's my biggest, I mean, I think we all have our fears. Our fears probably all are, what if I fail at what I want to be? There were times in school where I wasn't doing well in a class, for instance, and I thought maybe pharmacy isn't for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I I really thought maybe I should quit and we should, we should figure something else out. But I never, I never let that go further than that. You know, always sleep on it. Never be too hard on your the next day and do what you have to do to get to where you want to be.
2: Love it.
0: And is there anything else that you'd like to say on you know Pax pharmacy or on your experience that you think you know listeners should really you
2: know would really benefit from hearing or should hear
1: goodness i I think we boy, I think we've covered it all. I don't know. I just like I said, I, when I was a student. You know, I, I asked them, why do I need to go on rotations? I was like, I know what I'm going to do with my life. Mm-hmm. And I had our experiential coordinator almost hit me. She was like, that could be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You have no idea what you're going to do. And she's no, right. I thought you... I was going to wait. And she's right. I mean, I I ended up training. I ended up training and getting specialty in diabetes. I ended up spending an extra year somewhere that I didn't think I was going to spend an extra year. I mean, my, my life took a, a change for the better because I didn't corner myself. One hundred
0: percent. I agree. One hundred percent.
1: Never corner yourself. Take every opportunity you have. If you have even a remote interest and it's maybe an interest that you don't think it'll be a long term interest. How do you know? Take the chance on it. Do what you have to do because you never know what's going to happen until you try something. It might end up being the best thing you've ever done.
0: Very true. All right. I know you talked a little bit about your social media and your online presence, but tell me again, where can people find you on social media?
1: Uh, the uh, my inst- I, what do they call them handles? Is that a thing? Is that yeah. what they're
2: called? Yeah. Okay,
1: so I guess my name on Instagram is Daherm, M D A H E R M. and then on the pharmacy is Pax, P-A-X underscore pharmacy for Pax Pharmacy. Okay, and then the website. Pax, P-A-X-R-X dot com.
0: Fantastic. All right, and That's y'all... another
1: marketing thing. Keep things keep things low. You don't want to have to spell a lot of letters out. Thanks. The less letters, yeah. the better.
0: yeah Uh, so uh, once again thank you for joining me on boutique digital marketing was it was a pleasure to have you here today it was a really nice episode I hope people you know I hope people enjoyed it as much as I did uh, but if you have questions regarding uh, anything on what you heard today, or if you just have you know questions on digital marketing or business development, you can find me at info at boutique You could also check out our website at boutique digital where you'll find the blogs, you'll find the copy of every episode that you hear on here, and you could call us at 909 333 5116 that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will be with you guys next week. Bye!